Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carter Street Talk. This is episode 57. And today I'm joined by Baptiste. He is an awesome member of the community. He is a French cardist who has a lot of focus on fans, started stripey playing cards. He's a really awesome cardist. I'm super happy to have him here to hopefully give us some insights on fans. Baptiste, uh, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, happy to be here. Um, I guess that. Uh, to say that I'm part of the community, I mean, it's been a while since I've really posted anything or be really active in the community, so I hope my insights are still uh, somewhat uh, uh, relevant, but uh, <laughs> happy to be here, and uh, I really love what you're yeah. doing. So it'll be really happy to uh, give the people a little bit of update on, on what's going on with you, and I'm sure mm -hmm. <laughs> just with the amount of experience and posts you've made regarding fans that I'm sure there's going to be some, some quality in insights there. Uh, at least for me. So my first question, just to kind of break things, uh, get a little icebreaker, um, is just kind of how did you get into cardistry and how did you get into playing cards? As a lot of people uh, got into cardistry, I, I got into cardistry from Magic. Uh, so I started like, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago or something. Uh, like I was, uh, I think I was like 13 or 12, uh, where basically in holiday, so somebody was doing card magic and so oh, that's pretty cool. So um, I actually uh, picked up a deck of cards and started to do magic tricks and everything. And that's when on YouTube I sort of found um, videos from, uh, I, uh, I don't think it's really relevant anymore, but uh, Zach Miller from uh, Fontaine Cards actually did a lot of uh, cardistry and magic videos and dubstep music and everything. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I absolutely wanted to do that. But um, I mean, I really like the aspect of flashy magic and something that's really flashy and that's when you look at it, it's sort of impressive because, uh, well, it's flashy and everything. And um, that's actually got me more into flashy sort of magic and also into cardistry. But um, while still having like uh, something into magic, because I, uh, to me, like, uh, and I think it was also my um, my entourage and like the person around me um, didn't think cardistry was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a, a means to do magic, always like linked to magic. And so I sort of kept something magic uh, for a while, actually for like a year or two uh, before I just completely um, just stopped doing magic altogether and just leaned more into cardistry. Um, but I think it's really uh, Zach Mueller and also like Daniel Madison also, I'm not sure if he still does cardistry, but uh, back in the day, uh, I remember like his DVD uh, for things was like, Dangerous uh, from Theory 11. Um, it was really old school cardistry. I think it's like it aged pretty well. But I was really impressed that was was in what he was doing, and all of this stuff sort of got me into cardistry. And I remember back in the day, I had uh, a YouTube channel that uh, I deleted because it was uh, pretty bad. But um, I was like, I think like a year after I started um, doing magic and everything, I although already started creating my own flourishes and publishing tutorials on youtube and everything uh it didn't work really well but they were pretty bad um but uh yeah so i started into magic and just leaned on cardistry afterwards yeah so i think that's how most uh cardists kind of yeah. get into cardistry is through magic there are some people especially younger kids now starting to pop up that got into mm -hmm. cardistry from cardistry which is pretty cool um, but it's always nice. Yeah, I think now cardistry becomes a bit more relevant and uh, mm -hmm. a bit uh, more separated from magic, whereas like 10 years ago it wasn't, uh, wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And so you get into cardistry, and um, I'm just kind of curious, why, why why did you put so much focus into kind of fans and spreads? What about those uh, attracted you? 
Well, I think, uh, I mean, maybe it's only personal, but I find them way more um, impressive than Cuts. Um, because, I mean, uh, to my eye and for a while, I mean, um, for a while I've never really seen the difference the difference between cuts like when i see a, a cut uh, i mean now i'm not really into car into cardistry anymore but uh when i scroll through instagram i, I still see a lot of um like cards because it's like mainly uh what's uh, what is into my circuit mm -hmm. feed and uh, i don't really see um the difference in what really makes the cut particular uh, particularly better than another i can see a good cut but um you give me 10 different cuts i won't necessarily um, see it as different moves, uh, if that makes sense. Whereas when you look at fans and everything, and, I mean, uh, I think the, the argument could be the same uh, for fans because it's just, well, uh, you're fanning cards and you have a fan. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I guess I was more drawn to it because, um, first of all, you, you see that uh, you see that it's playing cards that are being uh, manipulated. And I think it's something that was really appealing to me uh, with cardistry at first. Is because you take uh, you take an object that everybody knows, just a deck of fifty-two cards that you use to to play poker or everything, and you do something completely different. And when you do a fan, um, I mean, you you see the tips, you see, and you see that it's an object uh, that everybody knows, and but nobody knows um, that it can be used like this. And when you do cuts and everything, um, it's still seen as a way to shuffle a deck, and it's. Uh, maybe like not as impressive as when you do a fan or or spreads and everything where you see that it's playing cards you see all the tips you see the clutch the space and everything um but you're not shuffling it's it's useless essentially it's just beautiful to see but it's really mm -hmm. useless and um whereas when you do cuts and everything it, it's just shuffling the deck and so yeah, I, I guess it removes uh, a sort of um artistic expression to um to what you're doing mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and and something I'm just thinking of now uh, that I just thought of is a lot of the moves that tend to show off every card, um, like springs and fans and spreads, waterfalls, mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's what kind of laymen and like normal people think are probably the coolest because you can do like pack yeah, cuts. Exactly. Like you said, most people will just think it all kind of looks the same, at least for laymen. But if you do the spring, they'll ask mm -hmm. to see the spring again. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. so yeah. I think there is something about one seeing every card and then, and then, cause when you do pack a cut too, they all just kind of become blocks and it's almost as if they're, they are playing cards, but they're the blocks of it. Well, I mean, that's the, the birth of trainers was um, basically from that. I don't know if it's still uh, really relevant, but uh, yeah, trainers. I mean, a lot of people are, yeah, used a lot of trainers and I really didn't like that trend because I think it's, it's pretty sad that you remove the, the playing card aspect of cardistry. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's interesting because you expand the, the concept and um, actually you can do, uh, but um, everything that you can do with trainers, you can do with playing cards, I think. I mean, it's maybe harder because you have, uh, you can drop the cards and packets can split and everything, but you, you remove the aspect of cardistry and it just becomes uh, manipulation of, of blocks of wood, of resin. Uh, uh, I think it's pretty sad. Yeah, you, you get you kind of miss that magical aspect that you were talking about, where it's like an ordinary object that you're able to do that everybody knows that you show you can do amazing amazing things with. Um, a quick uh, question I have for you um, that might be too pretty broad, but uh, is there just any overall fan tips that you have? Any overall thoughts you have on how to do better fans? 
Um, I think like a big tip uh, is something that uh, I, I guess is valid for everything. Uh, I mean, in life, but in chemistry, it's just you have to train and just practice. Would um, is the, I think the best tip because uh, I feel like there's a lot of artists. Um, I mean, uh, when I was looking uh, more into it, that's um, always find excuses because there there wasn't any tutorial to do move. There wasn't anything to. Uh, but I mean, that's the point of artistry is that you see everything. And everything is under your eyes, contrary to magic, where you need an explanation because it's hidden. Um, in cardistry, you see everything, and um, there's no trick. It's, it's just practicing. It's just it's what will um, what will get you to. I mean, practice makes perfect. And um, there's in general, I don't think there is any tips, and uh, I think it's particularly true for fanning because you have to. Um, the, the essential trick on trade cards where you need to, I mean, find the right position of your finger to go into the packets. Uh, with fanning, it's way more knacky than that. You have to, to apply the right pressure to do a fan. You have the, it's all, um, it's all a question of really delicate stuff that it's not really, uh, I mean, it's not really explainable. You have to, to test what works. I mean, everybody's hand is different. And I think it really comes down to that. And also, um, the deck that you're using um because i mean if you if you're using a crappy deck it's going to be um pretty pretty hard uh and you can make it easier for yourself uh even though um with practice and i mean um i realized that now that uh with practice i can do fans easily on uh more decks uh than before than when i was starting uh the deck had to be like the exact right condition uh, otherwise i couldn't do the move and i mean now i, I guess it's more versatile and i can uh, so, uh, I mean, I can do my moves with um, a wider range of quality decks, um, but especially it comes down to practice. And I guess uh, if you want practical um, tips uh, to have the right condition, um, I would say buy fanning powder um, because, I mean, fanning powder does everything. Uh, otherwise, because uh, it's good to have a slippery deck, but it's, if it's a slippery deck that you can't control, like a brand new deck when you just open a new bicycle deck, you can put it in your hand and just by twisting a bit, everything's going to fall. It's just too slippery. It's not possible. And if you, you give me a brand new deck, I'm not going to be able to do uh, other, I mean, something other than a thumb fan because um, it just doesn't hold. And for example, I'm thinking of when you do a, a, a 360 fan, uh, I mean, the cards are really, um, they're holding it themselves together and um, you're not holding very much. It's just that the cards stick together uh, just enough to be, uh, well, to hold in your hand and uh, not too much that you have a clumpy deck and just uh, uh, clumpy and everything. So um, I guess in the end, you just have to have like a broken in deck that you powdered um, and just sufficiently old so that the cards don't fall everything you every time you you try to do something so um yeah yeah and, and, if that makes sense. and when you say too that's something uh ryan beckard said uh, last week mm -hmm. with how it's just can be really hard to teach a move just through like tutorials because everybody's hands are so unique and everybody's pressure is going to be slightly mm -hmm. different and, and all those things it's things that you kind of have to, to fill out for yourself so, um, like you said, practice does make per can, doesn't make perfect, but it can make you a lot better. No, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and then with deck conditioning too, that's something he also uh, picked up on. And whether you're doing fans or packet cuts or aerials, whatever you're doing, 
you do really want to try to get a deck that's focused for that improvement type, yeah. I guess you could say. And also, the lot of deck decks, a lot of decks that work. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be focused on that. I mean, uh, essentially, all the all the decks coming from USPCC or Cartomedy, they they work. Um, and I mean, uh, I don't know how it's. Uh, but I mean, uh, for example, in France, we don't have quality decks uh, right at our um, supermarkets, like you know, in the US. I believe you can buy your bicycle at every, every shop in the US. Whereas in France, we have decks of cards that are, uh, are really bad quality. Like the the, the old Cardamini decks uh, before, um, I think it's called Street Touch, uh, got to work with Cardamini. Before that, uh, the decks were really bad quality, and it's and still uh, still now the the quality of Cardamini Street Touch decks uh, aren't available uh, in the supermarket. And so uh, I think to do fanning, you I mean every bicycle would work, every deck. Um, I mean, yeah, every deck coming out of USPCC can work, and basically every deck coming from the, the cardistry community uh, works as well. You just have to uh, work on it long enough to be uh, broken in and put Fanning Powder. And Fanning Powder really um, changed everything. Uh, I think in my Instagram feed, you can see that there's, I think there's a post where I bought my first part of Fanning Powder, and just before there wasn't fan, and after there was a lot of fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it played a huge role. Yeah, I think we're, we're pretty spoiled here. Um, in the United States, when it comes to having access to all the UPC deck or USPCC decks, sorry, um, just like at gas stations and um, Theory Eleven decks at Targets and stuff, so we're pretty lucky in that aspect that we have USPCC on the same country. Um, but yeah, like you said, just getting one deck from USPCC, you can do a lot of really good stuff with that, and they last a really long time if you, if you properly yeah. handle them, take care of them. Um, I, I know you talked about this a lot just now, but do you have any thoughts on or tips on deck conditioning or how to use fanning powder um, to the best of its ability? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think you can overdo fanning powder. Uh, like um, a lot of my decks last a really long time because, uh, I mean, whenever they just don't work anymore, I put more fanning powder on and they just walk. <laughs> So um, I don't think you can overdo fanning powder uh, if that's uh, even though I mean it's pretty cheap and uh, it lasts a lifetime. I mean I bought one pot like I don't know seven years ago and I still haven't finished it even though I feel like I mean now a bit less. But uh, there was a time where I was using it basically three times a week on different decks and I mean it's still not finished. And um, it won't make your deck worse. I don't think so. I mean it has never made uh, any deck worse for me actually. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say invest in fanning powder. It's uh, like definitely worth it. Um, and yeah, um, uh, for conditioning, just breaking the deck, uh, just, I would say when you buy a new deck, you just break it in just in, uh, until it gets a bit uh, clumpy when uh, you start, because I mean, it's always pretty smooth when you're doing fans and everything at the beginning, um, for, for some fan and everything. Um, and just once it gets a bit clumpy and you can't really do a smooth fan anymore, I guess that's the time when you can put fanning powder because um, I've tried doing uh, putting fanning powder um, just when I open the deck, uh, but that doesn't work well because it's it's going to take like way longer to to break in. But I don't really know how fanning powder works, but uh, I think I've read once that it absorbs humidity on the cards, and that's what makes it um, less clumpy because. Um, Humidity is what uh, makes the cards stick together and make the deck clumpy and, uh, and pretty old. 
So if you do that on a brand new deck, basically there's no humidity to absorb and uh, and therefore it's pretty useless. So I would say, yeah, for, for conditioning, just buy a new deck, um, try to break it in, then buy doing cuts and springs and everything. Um, and just with dirty hands and everything, so it gets it's pretty, uh, it's faster. Um, and then just putting uh, putting fanning powder. And yeah, you asked me how to uh, how to use fanning powder. Um, I have a specific technique, but I think it's from a school of cardistry. They made a tutorial like I don't know ten years ago on how to use it because uh, I think there's a lot of uh, ways to do. Uh, I think that I mean there's a lot of people that uh, I've seen that that they just put a deck in like plastic bag. Put a lot of fanning powder and just take the bag and <laughs> i never tried this uh it's pretty weird uh but i mean i don't have my my uh, fanning powder now so i can't really show you but uh i think you just do like this thing where you used to do uh waterfall uh then you're putting the powder like this you close you have the edges um and then you just count the cards like this uh, in order to to spread evenly uh, the fanning powder on all the cards and just do that like two or three times and doing springs and pharaoh to really evenly put out the powder uh, throughout the cards uh, and works pretty well so okay yeah that's cool that's a slightly different method than what ryan had said so it's nice to see mm. the different options and obviously i've seen the baggy technique but i don't, I don't know that i yeah. trust that <laughs> personally yeah. um so once you have a good deck and it's conditioned and it's feeling good um some other things that you might want to take into account is the design of a, of a deck to make fans look mm-hmm. good. Do you have any favorite uh, card designs or back designs for fans? Obviously, Strike is probably uh-huh. one of them. Both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, I mean, to be honest, uh, I don't really have necessarily favorite designs because, I mean, as I said earlier, uh, what I really like is uh, showing that it's a normal deck of cards. And, I mean, uh, a lot of people um, created decks that are made for cardistry. With uh, I'm thinking of uh, School of Cardistry or Cardistry Touch. They made decks with no no faces, well, just uh, just backs of all. And I guess it's beautiful in a way because I mean it uh, creates neat displays and little colors and twine and everything. But uh, since it loses this um, normal object uh, part of cardistry that I really like, um, I, I think it's I, I don't really like it like that because I, I like my cards to be seen as cards. And um, so when you look at, when you you talk about uh, back designs um personally i often do my fans on the uh, with the, the the face uh with the face mm-hmm. showing because i think it's more diverse and you I, I like this diversity and this um first of all because you see that it's playing cards but also uh because there's a lot of color there's a lot of i mean everything's it's always different sometimes you have a lot of red sometimes you have a lot of black sometimes it's really intertwined and i like this kind of diversity uh, I mean, it's the same, for example, when uh, you do and you have the tips, and if you do it in the other hand, you have the line. And it's this kind of diversity that I really liked, uh, that I really like, and um, that I also sort of like with, I mean, with my deck. Um, and uh, it's, I think it's, what I particularly like is um, the, the fans itself and the displays uh, themselves, rather than the designs that it makes. That makes sense because uh, i mean i can do uh, i remember when i was learning the 360 fans earlier uh, like i don't know five years ago um the one-handed um, uh, 360 fan 
whatever the decks it was made on, I really found it really impressive because it was beautiful. And um, but no matter what deck uh, was used, and um, so I guess it never really mattered to me. And before I had my cards, um, I often used like standard decks. I never really used artsy decks. Uh, like uh, I use a lot of Tallyhos and Arcos and uh, I mean from Thames a bit, but not really. But uh, I never really concentrated on the back designs themselves, but more on what you can do with them. Mm-hmm. And so for fanning, I really liked. Oh yeah, I really like the Anglo, the Anglo card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the card is by Predator, I think. Um, I, I mean, it was really hard to find actually. I. I don't know. I mean, I bought it in a Singapore shop uh, online. It was pretty shady. But, uh, yeah, I really like the Anglo cards. And I think they're beautiful as well for fans. Yeah, that's one that Ryan said, too. Apparently, they're only, like, available in Sweden or something. Yeah. Yeah, I contacted... Actually, I contacted the um, the company to print my cards uh, with uh, Anglo stock and quality, but they never answered. So, <laughs> pretty sad. It would have been pretty cool to have, uh, I mean, Stripey Dex on mm. On Anglo paper, pretty unique. Yeah, definitely would have been really cool. Um, and then, uh, so we kind of talked about the back designs, and then you obviously mentioned Anglo. Are there any other decks that you feel like out of the box or just in general kind of uh, gravitate really well for fans or work really well for fans? Any stocks or mm-hmm. decks specifically besides what we mentioned? Well, I mean, um... A lot of decks are actually pretty much the same. So, I mean, uh, when you take a, a Virtuoso deck or a Bicycle or a Fontaine, um, I mean, in the end, they have the same paper and the, the same stock and everything. Maybe they're not crushed stock or something like that. But um, to be honest, right now, I mean, ever since uh, I, the, the first IP deck, I've pretty much never used any other deck because, uh, I mean, I have a lot of IP decks now, so I don't necessarily care anymore if I... Um, make them dirty or just lose them or something like that. And it's pretty, um, um, it's a relief actually, because I remember before, uh, I mean, especially I was like, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. I mean, it was my parents that was buying, that were buying my cards. And um, therefore I always paid a lot of attention to my cards and it was almost stressful in a way. And so uh, for like, it's been, I don't know, uh, five years, uh, five years since I did my first deck. And I mean, it's been five years that I only use two AP decks because I have lots, and I mean they handle well. Uh, I don't find them ugly, so <laughs> it's it's more practical. Yeah. So, it's... but I guess before, yeah, before I used a lot of uh, classic decks. Uh, I had some Virtuoso uh, SS15 mm-hmm. I think, uh, that I used a lot, but yeah. yeah, I think that's a common misconception right now too. Is like that um, certain brands have better quality cards when usually they're using USPCC and they're getting the exact same stocks and stuff. Um, I think that's something a lot of new people don't realize. There are small differences just because they might be getting their paper from slightly different sources or things might be. I mean, I don't know for, maybe they have like uh, better insights and everything, but when I was doing, uh, when I was doing inquiries to to do my playing cards, uh, I, I didn't have the choice. I mean, it was either um, and the stock was uh, either bicycle stock or Aladdin stock. Oh no, it was finishes. You had all you had air cushion finish or uh, or smooth finish, uh, and that was pretty much it. You you can you could um, use crushed stock or not crushed stock. And crushed stock was uh, 
was more expensive. But uh, I mean, when you buy, I, I can say that uh, I'm 90% sure, maybe it has changed uh, since, that when you buy a deck that has been printed at USPCC, it's always, always going to be the same because, I mean, nobody prints on smooth finish, uh, which is not very good. I mean, uh, I don't think so. Um, and like 90% of the time, I mean, it's always going to be the same deck. It's the Linoid finish, or that is, I mean, Teddy Ho, I think they're Linoid finish. Aristocrats were Linoid finish. I mean, they're all in the same finish. It's just that um, I think like 100 years ago when USPCC bought off um, Aristocrats and Tallyho and everything, uh, it was different names but for basically the same technology and they just merged into the same thing. But historically it's different, but right now it's still the same. Uh, and I think the only difference you can have in, in, um, uh, in quality in stock and uh, in finishes is if you buy a deck from USPCC or Card of Windy or um, Hanson Chien. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if it still makes yeah. card, but um, but yeah, if you buy from different factories, but uh, from the same factory, it's always going to be the same deck. Uh, I think Card of Windy has no, they, they I mean, uh, maybe it has changed, but back in the day, they only had one finish. Um, it was always the same. Um, it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you just have to take that into action uh, into consideration when you buy a deck at uh, two hundred euros on eBay that you just buy your design. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, where is it going? Oh, Cartamundi. I think Cartamundi now has a couple of styles of stocks, but I think their uh, their finish is basically the same. So yeah, if you want like to try different feeling cards uh, to the people listening, I would say buy from different factories is going to be the easiest mm -hmm. way to get unique feeling cards, or just go for really old stuff like yeah. wins or vodkas that like yeah are still yeah in a different or, process, yeah. or they're made completely different. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, when doing fans, it's a little bit different from packet cutters when creating moves or kind of mastering moves. Um, I think most people in the community right now are packet cutters. Um, well, did you have any creative process when trying to make fans or variations of fans when you're um, active? Um, I guess I didn't really have. But I mean, when you look at my Instagram, I wasn't really. Uh a creative uh, cardist in terms of fans. Like I did a lot of stuff that were already um, created and I did a lot of uh, Predator stuff or like just really old stuff that I kind of took back and tried to do. Um, but I guess for the few original moves that I have, um, I guess it's always so either an idea that I have in my head. For example, uh, I'm thinking of um, the square fan. Uh, like I did, uh, I think I did sometime, like, uh, some time ago. Uh, just to, because we all know, like, uh, fan, uh, the split fan, you can do uh, a triangle like that. And I had the idea to do a square fan. I didn't really know how to do it, but to try and uh, I just succeeded in doing some kind of square fan. It wasn't really uh, beautiful uh, or just, just the, <laughs> it's pretty bad move, but it was a square. Um, and so it's just the idea of having something in mind and trying to find a way to do it because I mean that's the difference between fans and cuts I guess because um, when you do fans the um, the goal of the fan is the fan itself it's not really the way uh, to get into the fan I mean it can be uh, I mean I'm thinking maybe the, this is almost like a cut in itself because you, you do a fan and the, the fan itself you don't really display it it's uh, more of something that happens um, in between the beginning and the end, 
um, whereas packet when packet cuts uh, are the the goal of the the move is just the journey of from the beginning to the end, just not because at the end there's no display and everything. And so I guess that's uh, what works with fans and to trying to create fans is that you have an idea in uh, in your head and you just try to try to do it. Um, I think I had quite a lot of ideas that I actually never uh, succeeded in doing. Uh, like I wanted to do, uh, well, I mean, the square fans, I had ideas where you just have a fan into your pinky and just here, and I really never succeeded in doing that. <laughs> but um, I guess you have to create fans, you have to have an idea in mind and have a display in your mind and you want to do, I don't know, like a triple fan displaying or something at time. Um, but just having this idea in mind and try to achieve and to get to this idea, uh, to get to this display. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of how it works for me too. Is where I'll have like an idea or kind of like an end goal. I wouldn't say like I'm like a lot mm -hmm. of packet cutters right now, where they kind of just go, oh, they almost start from the beginning and then make their way to their end until they're like satisfied. Whereas like for yeah. me and for fans, it sounds like too like you have a, kind of an end goal of, of what the end like. You almost start with the end, like what you want it to look like at the end, yeah. and then you kind of reverse engineer how do I get to that point. Um, which is kind of different yeah. than, than packet cutters, right? Right now, a lot of my mm -hmm. moves are like aerials or display, like uh, packet displays more so. So it is interesting kind of that differential um, from kind of what is normal right now is you start at the start and then you find the end, whereas for displays and fans and stuff like that, it's almost the opposite. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, so we talked about creating... Um, one thing that I think fan people that focus on fans kind of really focused on is kind of perfecting moves and, and kind of getting every space perfectly spread out, especially with spreads as well. Do you have any tips or any thoughts on how you can do better to perfect your move and uh, have it down, uh, Pat? I, I would say use fanning powder because um, I'm not really, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of a perfectionist, but... A lot of times I got actually frustrated because I couldn't perfect anything. Um, that was sort of the reason why I started, uh, I started to stop posting uh, because I always wanted everything to be perfect and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fanning powder helps a lot actually. And, um, I mean, I recommend everybody to try it out at least once. And you're going to see that even your thumb fans and everything, it makes uh, everything perfect um, more easily. It's really... Uh, it, it's really that, to be honest, and practice. And um, like, uh, I practiced a lot uh, Call of Duty uh, back in the day just by uh, watching a series on my computer and just having a deck of cards in my hand and doing stuff with it. And just by, uh, I think that's what's pretty good with Call of Duty is that you, you can do Call of Duty and do something else at the time. Uh, I mean, you know, at the same time. And um, therefore, yeah, if you want to to perfect move, uh, try to make it natural and try to make it um, just brainless. You don't have to think of it. And if you don't have to think of it, you can do it and perfecting it without actually thinking of it. And just, you can do something else at the same time. Um, I guess that's really the end goal. Uh, I mean, for me uh, with uh, with cardistry and with uh, the moves that I, was, uh, that I was practicing and doing is that they become natural and they become just part of my muscle memory uh, rather than just me thinking of it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. And it, it's always like a process to get to that point. I don't think, at least for most movies, when you start out, it doesn't become like muscle memory, something you can do while watching TV or homework or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you do get to that point, it is super nice that you can practice even yeah. really realizing <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, it takes time, but uh, I think it's worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you step that barrier, that um, yeah, that barrier of just having to think everything you're doing, um, it becomes easier also to learn moves and to learn things without thinking of it. And I think there's in the past like uh, three, three and a half years uh, since I pretty much actively stopped uh, doing cardistry, I still had a deck of cards and just was. Um, uh, idling um, with a deck in my hands and I realized like uh, a few months ago that I actually learned a lot of moves during those three years without realizing it um, just by idling with the cards and not really thinking of it compared to before when I was actually actively doing cardistry I was actively posting and actively thinking of it so I was maybe more efficient but I mean you can still learn moves without thinking of them I guess. Mm-hmm. yeah I think everybody has that kind of moment where they'll do something and they don't really realize what they did, and it's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know what you did because you're like, "Oh, that was cool," but I'm not sure what I did. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just. I think I lost a lot of moves. Yeah, <laughs> a pretty unique experience to Cardis, I think. Um, I think yeah. most people have, have experienced that. Um, so a new thing I've been doing towards the end of the show is just asking people for music recommendations because, from what I've seen, pretty much all Cardists are really into music and really like exploring it. So. Um, do you have any music recommendations for us? Um, I, I listen a lot to, uh, uh, to a lot of music. Uh, I mean, it's basically music is basically what replaced uh, Cardi Street in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I listen to a lot of old music, uh, like uh, David Bowie, uh, Pink Floyd, um, Roxy Music, uh, Toy Division. Um, I mean, lately I listen also a lot to a French band called uh, Fouche Atterton. It's like a French rock pop uh, slam uh, band, uh, which I really like. I mean, I could go on about music for a while. Yeah, you can listen to um, Velvet Scaffoldings on Spotify. It's my band. Uh, <laughs> we released music uh, like a year ago. Uh, it's pretty weird, but I mean, it's uh, more like if you like Pink Floyd, um, Pink Floyd music, uh, it's progressive rock, sort of the same style. And uh, we're going to try to release more music uh, in the future. But uh, yeah, so yeah. it's called Velvet Scaffoldings, and we have an EP called uh, The Edge. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Um, so there's obviously some really good options there. Um, thank you for putting your, your thought in there. Obviously, your profile picture is you with a guitar. So um, I figured yeah. that's some good insight. <laughs> um, yeah. So at the end of the show, what I usually do is I say, what I call roll out the close-up pad. And that's just my fancy way of saying, is there anything that you would like to promote or any last nugget you would like to leave the audience with before we kind of head out? Yeah, I'd say uh, if there is anybody that is organizing Cardistry Con here uh, listening to this, please do it in Europe (laughs) because I would love to go, but it's always like really far away. Um, I mean, mean, it it was in Berlin a year, I think, but I mean, uh, I guess now I'm older and I could go uh, pretty much anywhere in Europe, but I was actually uh, looking forward to it uh, this year after COVID and everything. But uh, since it's in San Diego, uh, wouldn't be, I won't be able to come. Um, but if it's just do it in Paris, that would be pretty great. Uh, <laughs> Paris is a great city. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. 
Um, as always, I'll have link to Baptiste's stuff in the description if you want to check them out and you're watching it here on YouTube. Um, Baptiste, obviously, thank you for your time and uh, giving your insights on cardistry. I really appreciate it. I hope everybody learned something, had a little bit of fun, and uh, hopefully gained a little bit of knowledge. Um, I will see you guys next week. It was a pleasure having you, Baptiste, here, and uh, we'll head out. Yeah, thank you, Gil. Yeah. It was really nice.